So I want to read the story in Matthew, Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 through 11. Now, in the, the Gospels record um, what happens on Palm Sunday, records the triumphal entry. And so we're going to take a look at all four accounts, but I want to kind of um, stay in Luke because Luke is, is a little different than the other three. Um, so Matthew chapter, chapter 21, verse 1 through 11. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, two disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you will find a donkey tied in a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled with his spoken, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So I believe that's found in Zechariah 9 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, the king is coming to you. He is, he is just in having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So when you see the Old Testament giving us a, a type and a shadow of Christ, and as we know, Christ is the only person who has come to earth and fulfilled all of the prophecies. And this is a prophecy that he is fulfilling here in the triumphal entry. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. I'm back in Matthew now. Uh, they brought the donkey and the colt. And um, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. And this is where we get uh, the Palm Sunday, when they cut the branches down, they laid them in the road. Um, now we're going to look at Mark chapter 11, verse 1 through 11. And this is Mark's account of uh, the triumphal entry uh, what we consider Palm Sunday as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem. Uh, 11, verse 1 through 11. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on, a colt tied on which no one has set. Now that's important on which no one has set, loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and immediately he will send it here. Now if we look in Numbers chapter 19, 1 through 3, we'll see why that was important, that the, the colt, I think that's another reason why it was a colt and not a donkey. Um, 
You look in uh, Numbers chapter 19, verse 1 through 3. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law, which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which a yoke has never come. You shall give it to Eleazar the priest, that he may take it outside the camp, and it shall be slaughtered before him. And Eleazar the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle some of its blood seven times. So you see, um, here in the Old Testament, that it was a red heifer without blemish. And no yoke had ever been placed on this red heifer. So this is, I think, pointing back um, to why it was important that Christ come in on a cult. Um, and as, as Mark says here, um, or Jesus says to the, um, to the disciples, um, you, you know, go into the village, verse 2, and he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has set. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he, sh- he will send it here. So they went their way, found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing, loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And that's Mark's account of the triumphal entry. So let's look in John chapter 12, verses 12 through 19. You'll see a little bit of a difference. Matthew and Mark are very similar. Let's read John chapter 12, 12 through 19. The next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Now, John doesn't mention Jesus calling the two disciples and Jesus saying, go get the colt. There's no record in John of that. Um, But then Jesus, verse 14, then Jesus, when he had found a young donkey, said on it as it was written, fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things were written about him and that they had done these things to him. Therefore, the people who were with him, when he called Lazarus out of his tomb and raised him from the dead, bore witness. For this reason, the people also met him 
because they heard that he had done this sign. The Pharisees therefore said among themselves, You see that you are accomplishing nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. So here we have, we have an account of, so this, is, this has happened shortly after Lazarus has risen from the dead, and has, after Christ has, has risen him from the dead. So some of these folks that are in this crowd singing praises actually witnessed that miracle. And they were following just because of the sign that Jesus had done, not so much because he was the Messiah and he was their Lord and Savior. Um, so there kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of the difference in Matthew and Mark and then in John, um, the triumphal entry. But then if we look at Luke, Luke is there's a lot of differences in Luke's account of the triumphal entry. Um, so let's look there at Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 38 through 44. No, I'm sorry, 28 through 44. When he had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass, when he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany, at the mount called Olivet, that he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village opposite you, where as you enter you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever set. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? Thus you shall say to him, because the Lord has need of it. And I have I've said in churches um, for many years, and I've heard this triumphal entry, a lot of different, different gospels, a lot of different accounts here about um, Jesus going in. Or, you know, some folks might say that Jesus... Um, knew what was going to happen because of, because of the prophecy and possibly staged that event. Um, but as we can see here, obviously he took the two disciples and before they got there, he told them there's a cult and there's, you know, um, it's definitely prophetic um, that and Jesus is actually, you know, um, prophesying what is going to happen. And I think when we have these details like this, it points to... Um, you know, testifying that Christ is the Messiah. Um, but uh, so, so he says to his disciples, go into the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. And go down to 32. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as he had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of him. Then they brought him to Jesus, and they threw their own clothes on the colt, and they set Jesus on him. And as he went, many spread their clothes on the road. Then, as he was now drawing near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees called to him from the crowd, and they called to Jesus from the crowd, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Why do you think the Pharisees might have said that? Why do you think the Pharisees might have said, 
you know, um, teacher. Now, they didn't call him Messiah because they didn't believe he was the Messiah. They said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. You know, tell your students to be quiet um, because they were singing praises to Jesus and not to them. Um, but he answered and said to them, I tell you that if these should keep silent, the stones would immediately cry out. Now, as he drew near, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, especially in this your day. And this is where Luke is very different. His account is very different from the other three. Um, he, he saw the city and wept over it. So Jesus is weeping over Jerusalem. And he's saying, If you, Jerusalem, had known, even you, especially in this your day, the things that make of your peace... But now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side and level you and your children within you to the ground and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. And this Luke's account, I think, is very... uh, very interesting because when we talk about Palm Sunday, we talk about the triumphal entry, and we use the word triumphal. Um, it's, it's like this joyous occasion. But Luke's account talks about Jesus weeping. He's, he's anything but joyous. He's not sitting on the colt, you know, giddy and laughing and celebrating. He's crying as he enters the city of Jerusalem because he knows the hearts of the people that live there and the Messiah is coming, and even those that are celebrating and you know praising him, um, some of them don't even really believe that in their heart. Um, and then the, the the rest of the city, there are definitely those in the city that uh, want to do harm to him. And so this is, he says, all these bad things are going to happen to you because you did not know the time of your visitation meaning you did not know that I am the Messiah coming to you. Um, so I want to talk a little bit about, about your comfort zone. Um, when I mentioned trading seats, and would that make some of you uncomfortable? Some of you said yes, some of you said no. Uh, you wouldn't have a problem with that. Um, I think we can see here Jesus the Son of God was with God from eternity, uh, was in heaven with God. Um, the Bible t- teaches us that the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, right? Um, so Jesus was always with God. Jesus is God. And it, I think it was very uncomfortable for Jesus to put on human flesh and come down here to be among us. Uh, you read the story in um, the Garden of Gethsemane. Before he goes um, to be crucified, um, you know, he, he says, he prays to the Father, if there's any way this, pa- this cup could pass from me, <laughs> let it be so. Um, bleeding drops of sweat, um, sweating drops of blood, and uh, that's not a very comfortable place to be, I would imagine. Um, so I have to wonder, here we are, I, I believe we're all, we're all believers here, um, 
And we all have received Christ, and we all acknowledge his visitation. Um, at some point in your life, he came to you, and you acknowledge that. Um, so I want to kind of kind of challenge a little bit about the the comfort zone and tell you a little bit about our story, why my wife and family are here, and what has kind of happened, um, and how the comfort zone um, is comfortable. That's why it's called the comfort zone, but uh, where blessings come when we obey God and move out of our comfort zone um, to what he is um, pushing us into. My wife and I... Um, we moved here about four and a half years ago, almost five years. And some of you may know the story, some of you may not. But uh, we lived in Georgia. I had a very, um, a very good job with a printing company. I was a project manager. My wife had an in-home daycare that was a thriving in-home daycare in our community. She had a waiting list of kids wanting to come uh, to her daycare. Our, our sons were in a nationally ranked school system. We were in a, a very... Bible-believing, Bible-teaching church um, that's growing and has continued to grow. And um, our, our daughter, like I said, was also in the, in the same school system and doing really well. And, you know, we, you'd look at us and think, wow, they've got, they've got everything. They're, you know, they're, their lives are perfect, you know. Um, they're comfortable, and we were very comfortable in that environment. Um, but... Uh, God wasn't comfortable with us being comfortable. <laughs> um, he, uh, at, on separate occasions, he had told my, my wife something, and he had told our daughter something else, and that was to move to Taylor, Texas. Now, we had never been to Texas. We only had one family that were friends of ours here in Texas, and they'd been friends of ours for years and years, and we'd never even lived in the same state, let alone the same town. Um, but it was the children that he laid on my wife's heart and my daughter's heart here in Taylor. Um, so we, you know, we, we fought and fought against God. No, this can't be this, you know, for like three months we're fighting and our pastor, not knowing what was going on with us was preaching. If God tells you to go, you need to go. If God tells you to go, you need to go. Right. And we're sitting here struggling with this whole decision to, to go cause we're comfortable. And, uh, we're not easily pushed out of our comfort zone. This is, to be up here this morning to you is very frightening to me. <laughs> I had shared with, with someone, um, they asked me if I was nervous, and I said, uh, not yet. It was like a week before today. And uh, I said, but public speaking is my number one fear. Um, I would rather die <laughs> than to be up here speaking. Um, so God does push us out of our comfort zone. Um, but uh, so for like three months, we went through this whole struggle, wringing our, our hands and praying and seeking God's face. And is this really you? And we just finally decided, okay. And we kind of gave up and we surrendered. Okay. So we'll apply for work. We'll look at getting a job down in Taylor, Texas. And um, I was able to get a job fairly quickly. And um, everything just kind of, fell into place. When, it's kind of funny when you take that step, you know, he just has it all, all figured out. It might not be what you think, um, as we have found out, 
Because we had all these plans, well, maybe he wants to do this and this and this, all these different things with our lives, right? Um, and, you know, how can we be used of God? And how can we do all these wonderful things through him? And how can he do these things through us and that kind of thing? And uh, we get here, and it's a little different story. Um, there were some things within us that he had to do. Um, and I'll share this story with you, and most of you probably don't know this story. <laughs> Um, the way we ended up in Christ Fellowship, um, I was going through, we had moved out of where we were, this comfort. And I, I, I'm from Georgia originally. I had family there, so I'm leaving all of my family to come here to this strange land. <laughs> I didn't know anyone, um, minus a couple of folks. Um, and so I had some things within my own life that God was dealing with, and um, had I not come to Taylor, Texas, I don't think they would have been dealt with. In fact, I know they wouldn't have been because I was comfortable where I was in Georgia. I wasn't, I wasn't, he wasn't, I wasn't stretching myself. I wasn't, you know. Um, so I had a lot of things that I was dealing with that no one knew about, uh, except maybe my wife. <laughs> um, so I get here, and I don't know, three or four months into being here, six months maybe being, being here, um, I started having this um, um, wanting to kill myself. I, I had been, I had, I, when we left Georgia and came to this place, I, uh, I was struggling with depression. Um, depression came over me really hard, and I wanted to put a bullet in my head and my wife said, if you don't find some help, we're leaving. And the way we ended up at Christ Fellowship, and this is a testament to, to the pastor here. Um, so I, I took the yellow pages because I didn't know anybody here. Um, I didn't know anyone, but I knew I needed help. It was, it was obvious, obvious, pain, painfully obvious. And I opened up the yellow pages, and I'm looking through to try to find a church to contact the pastor. And uh, I saw Christ Fellowship Church, and I said, okay, we're calling this number. And I picked up the phone, I dialed, and who, did, who answered? You guys all probably know who answered the phone was Pastor Jeff Ripple. And, you know, if, if it had been my church back home where we were from, if I had picked the phone up, if I had dialed their number, it would have been a secretary, and the pastor would have been too busy. Would, you know, I'd had to schedule some time. Not here, not here at Christ Fellowship. Uh, Pastor Jeff said, he didn't know me from Adam. I'm calling him out of the blue. This was not prearranged, at least not on our schedule. I think it was prearranged by God. But um, he, said, he said, where are you right now? I said, well, I'm at home. He said, well, you need to get over here. We need to, we need to see each other immediately, like right now. And, uh, and I did. And here I am. Um, still, still alive and still with you folks. Um, we started a, a process that lasted about six months. We would meet every Sunday night for six months. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, we all have faults because we're all human. Um, but there's no end to the good things I could say about Pastor Jeff Ripple. Um, like I said, we, you know, we do all have our, have our faults and our shortcomings. But that day, when God said, you need to reach out to somebody, Pastor Jeff Ripple was there. And he's got a pastor's heart. 
I mean, no matter where he goes in life and whatever he does, he's always going to have a pastor's heart. I just believe that. Um, so when I, when I talk to you about, about your comfort zone, um, I don't think God wants us to be comfortable. I think he wants us to, um, to find out what it is he wants us to do and then go do it. Um, you know, now maybe, you know, there are, I mean, there are a lot of folks in our church back home that are, they're just fine where they are and they, they are doing a mighty work for the kingdom. And I believe that. I see that. Um, I, I hear um, stories of that. I know they're, they're doing God's work there. Um, but, but he talks to each of us individually. And I would like to encourage you to look inside your heart and what is God saying to you? Now, Jesus, we talk about the triumphal entry. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. So this is the city where he is coming to. Um, here we are in Taylor, Texas. And um, whatever brought you here, here you are. Um, so wherever you find yourself, um, I would just like to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone. Um, there is a huge need in Taylor, Texas. If you've lived here for any length of time, you will know there is a huge need. Um, there are, uh, I've lost count of how many churches there are in Taylor, um, but for a, a town this size, there shouldn't be 60 churches, I don't think. But uh, there are still, even with 60 some odd churches, there's still a great, a very great need out there. And I know Pastor Jeff has said this from this pulpit, that there are souls dying every day. And I know certain people that you don't know, and you know certain people that I don't know. Um, and if there's, something, if there's something in you that's holding you back from stepping out of your comfort zone into something that God wants you to move into, and you don't feel sure about that, I can guarantee you there is someone here you can talk to. You guys are all family. You guys have been coming here for, for a while. And you know Pastor Jeff is here for you. So if there's, I, he didn't know me from Adam. And he said, you need to come here immediately. He knows you as family. You definitely have an open door. If there's someone you need to talk to, he's here for you. Um, as well as Roland. Caleb, myself, Emilio, there's a, Frankie, there's a lot of folks here, and we can just talk to one another. Um, the Bible commands us to bear each other's burdens, and uh, this is our family, and you know we can definitely do that. Um, I would also like to encourage you, I don't know if, um, this, is, this is a journal, and I, I usually, anytime there's a sermon, this, I'm, I'm writing in this. Um, I think I come, from, I come from a business background, and anytime I'm in a meeting, you have to have something to take notes on. I think the meetings that we have here on Sunday mornings are far more important than the meeting that I'm at in a business meeting. And if I take notes at a business meeting, I mean, why would I not take notes <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a service here um, on God's Day? Um, so I would encourage you to do that. This is a journal that I, that I have. This is I, I reserve for, script, for sermons here. But I think it's important to, to journal. 
things in your life. I have this. Sometimes I don't even take notes. I just have it here in case I, in case I hear something, and I want to write it down. Um, I don't know if, if you guys are in that same situation. Jeff, Pastor Jeff might say something that you might find, wow, that really touched me. Let me write that down. And you can go back. I can go back. I can go back to 2014 in this one. Um, but the other thing with, um, with, with journaling, uh, something else you might want to consider, and I've done this myself, is to draw a timeline of when you were a believer. Okay, forget about all that other stuff, right? When you became a believer, and what has God brought you through to where you are now, right? And I've done this in my own life, and I can see through the military, through all these different things, God came in, moving here from Georgia to Taylor. God came in. Um, there's, a, there's two words. One is um, chronos, um, which we get our word chronology from. Okay, That's the linear time. There's another word called kairos. And kairos is when the kingdom breaks in to the present. When the kingdom, when God breaks into your life in reality. Um, I had a Kairos moment when I was sitting there with my loaded 30-30 um, contemplating killing myself and leaving this world. Um, you know, God came in through my wife, said, you need to find help. And, uh, you know, I dialed the number and, and Pastor Jeff Ripple answered it. And God came in at that moment. There's times in my military history where um, I was out on a training field in dangerous areas and God came through and, and pulled me out of despair and danger. Um, a lot of different things that have happened in, in our own lives. We've all been saved um, in a lot of different ways. And I believe that was God. That was a Kairos moment that was happening in your life. I think as, as we leave today, there's going to be more Kairos moments in your life. You're going, to, you're going to feel, wow, God, you saved me. You're going to be you know, maybe driving down to Austin, and you're going to have a near miss. Don't think that was just a near miss. Don't think, oh, wow, how lucky am I? No, that was a Kairos moment. God showed up. And he's saving you. Um, there's a, and here you are in Taylor. You find yourself here in Taylor, and he's he has you here for a purpose. He has each and every one of us here for a purpose, and I think that's to to be the salt and the light that he's asked us to be, or not asked. <laughs> he actually um, commands us to be the salt and light. And if you have Jesus in you, um, then we are commanded to definitely be that here in Taylor, wherever you go. Um, he is always with you. Um, I had had I had had some notes written. I haven't really touched my notes a whole lot. <laughs> um, funny how that happens. Um, but uh, I would like to now just kind of just kind of close in prayer. Um, uh, yeah, just kind of wrap up. Um, if you would just take a moment and let's uh, let's bow our heads. I I like to um, 
before we go to the Lord in prayer, you may have noticed, maybe not, that I like to have a, a time of some, some quiet time before we enter into prayer as a, as a, as a corporate body. Um, so take some time just individually. Maybe there's some things that God's working on your heart right now. Maybe there's some things that I said. Um, maybe there's some things going on in your life um, that he's wanting to, to move you out of a comfort zone or where you are into something else. Um, and just, just, let's just bow our heads and, uh, and be silent for a moment and listen, and listen to, to God. Thank you. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house, Father, to worship you, to open up your word and to, to read about the stories of your Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Father, that the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, report stories that are, that are different but are of the same account, Father God, the same, the same event that took place is recorded in different ways, Father, to show a variety of different things that you're doing Father, that Luke would be able to share that your son, Jesus Christ, was weeping as he entered the city of Jerusalem, Father. We don't find that account in any of the other Gospels, Father. I think that's important that he was so moved for the city of Jerusalem that he wept. And we know, Father, that he is weeping even now over the city of Taylor, Father, the state of Texas, this nation, Father God, we know he weeps. I pray, Father, that you would move us from a position of comfort to, Father, maybe a, a position that's not comfortable to us, Father, but that it's completely and totally in your will, believing that he who began a good work will continue to do a good work and see it to completion. And we can rest on that promise no matter where you send us, Father. I thank you for this body of believers, Father God, for each and every one here today. I pray that you would touch touch each and every one here, Father. Touch their families. May they be a, a light in a dark world, Father God. May they be salt where there is no seasoning, Father. Be with us as we go through this week, Father God. May we be ever reminded of your Son and that He paid the ultimate sacrifice for even us, Father God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. May we never forget that, Father God, especially this week. 
thank you, Father God. I thank you for the many blessings you have given us. I thank you for your continued grace and mercy. And be with us, Father, as we go our separate ways. In Christ's name we pray. For your sake. Amen.